You're listening to the Life Church Livonia podcast, a show where you can hear the teachings from our weekend gatherings. You can catch the full service on our Facebook or YouTube and head over to our website if you'd like to give. Here we're real people following a real God and experiencing real life. Welcome to Life Church Livonia. Good morning, Life Church. It's a privilege to be with you again today uh, to spend some time in the book of Jonah. I realize that you have um, heard teaching on the first three chapters uh, over the last three weeks, and I'm being given the opportunity to wrap it up as we consider uh, God's Word in Jonah chapter 4. I'd like to begin this morning uh, by praying and saying, Lord Jesus, inhabit your word. Help us to receive you afresh to understand. Uh, We thank you for this time and place. We thank you for the words before us. And we invite you to have your way with us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I'd like to begin by reading the last verse of chapter 3, where we left off last week, which says, When God saw what the Ninevites did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Moving to chapter 4, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this just what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing the Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give him shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided the worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, It would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said. And I'm so angry. I wish I was dead. But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant. Though you did not tend it or make it grow, it sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern 
For the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals. This is the word of the Lord from the book of Jonah. So I've been reading this text for a few weeks. I know also that your church is uh, um, considering this whole movement of sharing our story, sharing the gospel with people, uh, the BLESS acronym, and Alex was talking to me about your FRANCE acronym, which I'm sure you'll have an opportunity to to consider later. And uh, I've been thinking about these a great deal. I, uh, I'm really, uh, I'm really puzzled by Jonah. And I'm, I'm, uh, I'm worried about Jonah. There are issues in his life, uh, not totally unrecognizable issues, I might add. Um, that uh, concern me a lot. So I want to begin by talking about a few of those from the book of Jonah. The first is uh, anger and the whole issue of anger management going on in Jonah's life. So our chapter starts out uh, with Jonah saying, this is wrong. This is very wrong. God is very wrong. Now that's a troubling thing for a prophet to think. And um, Jonah is an angry man. We also have this second outburst of anger uh, about this plant. He's pr probably bald like I am and the sun is beating down on his head and and he is so mad that this plant that shaded him one day is now gone the next day. And it's, uh, he says, I'm so angry I could die. I could die. That's, that is not a healthy person speaking. And uh, it's, what do you do when a prophet of God uh, doesn't like God, doesn't agree with God, and doesn't really uh, manage his anger. I'm also not sure I believe Jonah when he tells God why he ran the other way. I, I believe there's an element of that at work, but uh, I'm going to come back to that later. But uh, I'm concerned about what an angry man um, the prophet Jonah is. And, you know, in today's culture in America, we, we may have more anger than we've ever had before. You see these polarities come up in uh, uh, elections. You see it come up in so many issues going on in our culture. The gift to be able to have civil discourse to to just have conversations with people without somebody getting very angry has become more and more difficult. The idea that anybody who questions you, uh, you go off on them and attack them. 
And, uh, you know, what is that all about? But let's just hold that in suspense here for a moment. And I'm also concerned with Joan uh, about the mental lapses in his life. It seems to me that Jonah does not remember that um, uh, the mercy that God is showing the Ninevite people is like the mercy God showed Jonah. So um, I wanna I wanna talk about this um, this bless acronym uh, for a minute in relation to this, and I wanna hold Jonah up to this uh, blessed thing from the entire book of Jonah. So does this book start out with Jonah, the prophet of God, uh, praying? And on one hand, you might say, well, sure, because the book of Jonah starts out, the word of the Lord came to Jonah saying this. So God is talking to Jonah. And it is my belief that the Spirit of God would talk to each one of us, uh, that we should really cultivate uh, the ability and pray for the ability to hear God speaking into our life. But here's God speaking to Jonah, but I can't really call it prayer. Why? Because there's nothing there that says that Jonah spoke back to God. That the Lord says, listen, this is what I want to do. And Jonah says, I'm out of here. And he doesn't even want to say no. Because to say no to God begins a conversation. It's just like, okay, you want me to go right? I'm going left later. You want me to go south? I'm going north. And... Jonah makes a choice to go in the exact opposite direction as God. And I want to tell you, Jonah can be happy that I'm not God. I know a lot of people who should be happy that I'm not God, including my family. Uh, because if I were God, I'd probably say at this point, what? You don't want to go? Well, suit yourself then, buddy. I will send somebody else. But that's not what happens. And I'm wondering why that's not what happens. Do you think that God pursues Jonah because he needs him? Because there's not another person in the world that could do the thing that God wants Jonah to do. Uh, I, I've been wrestling, I've been marinating in this for weeks. I'm so glad the teachings come up so I can get out of the pool. Um, God is doing this to save Jonah. He's going to save the Ninevites, but he wants to save Jonah. He's like, come on. And, and the story that we have is, uh, is crazy. So... Jonah gets on the ship, and this storm at sea comes up, and it is a fearful thing. 
You know, the anger of Jonah is not scary to me. But uh, the anger of God is potent. The amazing thing, though, is, and George MacDonald helped me to see it, what so often is depicted as the anger of God is love outside that would be inside. And uh, so we have the sea shaking everything loose because God wants to wake Jonah up to what's really important in his life. And uh, it says all the men on the ship were praying to their God. And uh, it's a cargo ship and they throw all the cargo off the ship. You realize what that means? My dad uh, was on a battleship in one of the world wars and, uh, and he talked about being in a storm so severe that the battleship threw off all their guns, which makes it no longer a battleship. When a cargo ship throws off all its cargo, it's no longer a cargo ship. Imagine buying $100,000 worth of coffee or tea wholesale and with the thought that you're going to bring it back to where you are and sell it for 200000 But uh, the storm is so scary that you just throw it all over because the only thing that matters now is coming out of this alive. And that's the severity of the storm that has sprung up and... Uh, this group of men who have a very limited understanding of God do ultimately come to find out that, Jonah, this is about you, isn't it? And Jonah admits that it is. And, and you know, Jonah's not an entirely bad guy. He's not an entirely good guy either. But uh, this was one of his better moments when he was like, you know, you really should just throw me over. They're like, we can't do that. We can't do that. Since they tried to row to shore uh, to fight this storm, and, and, and it was impossible. And uh, when there was nothing else they could do, Jonah is thrown out into the sea, and he had to expect to die. He had to expect to die. But now Jonah has a prayer life. Now, swallowed by this huge fish, Jonah begins with prayer. Jonah begins uh, talking to God. This is, this is Jonah's best moment in the whole book of Jonah, in the narrative. And isn't it funny for you and me that sometimes our most sincere moments with God were the moments when we were in the most trouble? And, uh, and what managed to come out of us that normally doesn't come out of us uh, is sweet. But uh, Jonah seems to have forgotten that now. And so he, he goes back to Nineveh and he preaches this message and uh, doesn't really mention at all that... Uh, there may be an opportunity to change God's mind. 
and the entire city comes to repent. And Jonah says, this is wrong. So I also wondered, the second letter in the blessed thing is listen with care. So when um, the Lord says, listen, I want you to go to Nineveh, did Jonah listen with care? Well, he was careful to understand exactly what the Lord wanted, but he didn't care. He absolutely said to himself, what God wants and what I want are not the same thing. I don't care. So no beginning with prayer, no listening with care. Uh, the blessed thing encourages is if, if we're wanting to reach out to people and connect with people, eat together. Here we are in chapter 4. Uh, Jonah can eat with these people now. He's, he's free to do that. He's given his message. They've all repented. He doesn't want to have anything to do with them. He's on the east side of town waiting to see what happens next, hoping for some judgment. Then maybe he'll have some buttered popcorn and watch uh, all hell break loose on the city of Nineveh. I have a special empathy for Nineveh. It says it, take, it, it would take three days to walk across Nineveh from one end to the other. And at some point I realize that's probably true for Metro Detroit too. If we started on one edge of Metro Detroit and just walked as far east-west as we could, it would probably be about a three-day journey, and it would be a healthy three-day journey. You'd have to be in decent shape to be able to do that. So, so to me, it's an area very much like the city in which I've lived my entire life. And, um, and Jonah is just really upset. So uh, the other thing it makes me think about is unfinished business. So we're not told at the end of the book of Jonah what Jonah does. We're not told that Jonah says, yeah, Lord, you're right. I'm wrong. We're also not told that, you know, Jonah continues to resist. But there's unfinished business in Jonah's life. So if you said to me, well, those, those uh, Ninevites turned to God and they were saved, I would agree with you. If you said to me, and, and, and Jonah saved, I don't know if I agree with that. There's some unfinished business going on. And what, what is salvation, anyhow? You know, one, one friend of mine said it took, took America to commercialize salvation. You know, is it like a, a car we buy and you can detail it and wash it and wax it and get a cover on it and put it in the garage? Till that day that you need it? Or is salvation being one with God, with his mind, with his heart, with his love for broken people, 
with his love for the lost. So um, so I'm concerned about Jonah. And is it possible for somebody to be a preacher and bring other people the word of God and not do the very thing he tells everybody else that they should be doing? I think it is. I think it is. And it's, and you know, Jonah has a whale of a story. He's got a testimony to knock you out. It's so dramatic, it's so powerful, even Jesus refers to it in the Gospel of Luke. It's a whale of a story, but it doesn't mean that Jonah's in a good place. And you know, sometimes our testimonies get a little stale. We can say, well, of course, you know, uh, back in the day, you know, God did this in my life and God did that in my life. But where am I at now? Am I, you know, if I have a need to tell you about that touchdown I scored in high school, I'm probably not doing much today. You know, if, if all our testimonies are like a museum where the spirit once fell here, and it once did that there. Uh, God is always present. Who he was is who he is, who he will be. And you and I, you never want to have salvation be being saved from God, being, able, being saved from having a need to be on the same page with God. Jonah does not want to be on the same page. We see it in chapter 1. We see it in chapter 4. Jonah would rather die than change. And it will be a sorry thing if to be an evangelical in America means we would rather die than change. We would rather uh, hate who we hate than have a heart of forgiveness, compassion, and mercy for everyone who needs it. Jesus is uh, the friend of sinners, and Jesus loves the Ninevites, and Jesus loves a lot of people I don't love. Even today, even just even driving over here, somebody cuts me off, and I'm ready to profile them and come into some judgmental thing, and it's like, Lord, I'm the problem here. Deliver me from this kind of attitude and give me your heart that always makes room for us to confess our sin and to enter into a place where we're redeemed and we're experiencing love and we serve one another uh, as we share our story. So. I, I hope for Jonah good things, but I know that being able to bring a word that comes from God isn't enough. That uh, what God requires of you and me are the same things, a contrite heart, a humble spirit, uh, uh, that we would never have the mental lapse of how much mercy we have received in our lives. 
and uh, that it would result in us wanting to be generous in our attitude towards others and our desire for the mercy of Jesus, the good news of Jesus Christ to bring life to all those around us. That's what I have today from the book of Jonah and uh, thank you for the opportunity to share. Amen.